0: The DI Guys Podcast was created to share the best ideas, strategies, and concepts so you can have conversations to help you exponentially grow your DI sales. While they may have lost their hair, they have not lost their minds. Here are the DI Guys, Chris Carlson and Mike Cogdall. This is Chris Carlson, and I'm really excited about this episode. What we're doing today is we're doing a simulcast between the DI Coach Podcast and the DI Guys Podcast. I'm joined by Mike Coggle. Mike, how's your day going today?
1: Chris, it's fantastic, and um, everything here is really good. I got to tell you one little sidebar, because I am the weather guy in Colorado. On our actual news this month for weather, only in Denver, Colorado would they say you would think we live in seattle washington as a matter of fact for the month of may we've had one and a half inches more of rain than the city of seattle washington by the way that means it's been the wettest spring on the front range chris in like over 60 years so seattle is our comparison when it comes to just how much moisture we do or do not get oh
0: that that's funny well mike in today's episode what i want to do is is i really want to drill down on some of your thoughts since we are in the middle of Disability Insurance Awareness Month. So obviously what we've done on many episodes of the DI Guys podcast is really get into the weeds about sales ideas and products. But kind of today's conversation might be at a little higher level than that. But I mean, you, you've been doing this for 34 years now. You have a very unique perspective on the industry. And so I just kind of want to get your opinion on a, a couple of things. And here's my first question. You've been doing this for 34 years. I remember when you came into business in 1987. What are the biggest changes you've seen in the industry in those 34 years?
1: The biggest changes I've seen, Chris, in 34 years. Well, so i am been dated. The biggest changes I've seen in 34 years is, it's interesting, product, I, I would call it product reversal. We went from creme de la creme, as you remember, you were in at the same time I was, and, you know, then we start limiting the own ox and we start doing all this stuff and we start worrying about physicians and we're going to go out of business. And, and what I've seen is we're almost back to we are back. We have been for a very long time. I think the underwriting standards today are, are fairly similar to what they were a long time ago. I, I mean, I think the carriers that still exist don't give away the store and they don't do anything silly. They obviously don't allow distribution to make all the decisions. And I think that maybe, and you would probably agree or disagree, that might have happened a little bit way back in the day when there was like the big two or three. So I I find the biggest changes is for me, and it's not a positive, I'll just be straight up. It's lack of distribution and lack of awareness. And what I mean by lack of distribution and awareness is without major branded, and let me just be candid, mutual companies, having people sell life insurance and disability, we all know the companies that still do it and, and actually do it fairly well. There just aren't very many people doing it. The the thing that's in the way the most and the biggest change is AUM, assets under management. And I'm not opposed to that either. I think it's phenomenal. I think people should say for retirement, do all the right things. But that's what I've seen is we're not competing with anything except for ourselves and getting people to be aware of what's going on. If you're a financial planner, certified financial planner, I always say, if you say all I do is gather assets, I would contend that it's not completely certified financial planning because you've got to have a risk protection piece in the financial planning for any business or home. Would you agree? Agreed. And I think that, Chris, is where we are The change. When I started in, you're correct, I think it was 87 You know, almost everybody I met was a life and BI salesperson or a fairly decent life person that we with our little rep hats on and our little suits and all the things that we wore back in the day, which, again, was kind of cool. We just convinced people and taught people how to go talk about this piece of the puzzle, this risk protection. And I would say now, you know, most people I talk to will tell me I'm just not going to do it. So that's one of the biggest changes I've seen ever is people just saying, I agree they should have it, but it's not going to be me that does it.
0: Let's explore that a little bit, Mike. What are producers telling you are the biggest obstacles for them writing more DI?
1: Some of them are cliched from way back in the day, Chris, and I find that interesting. I don't understand it. Okay, you know what, Chris? I've never done a non-qualified deferred comp. I've never done a premium financing gigantic $30 million life insurance policy. I've never done a business succession plan for even a small company. Complicated? These are things that that a lot of people do on a daily basis, and then they tell me disability is too hard. Too hard, I don't fully understand it. The old stuff, the underwriting, oh, you know what? I'm not going to lose a life sale over a disability decline. Again, you said 34 years. I'll take your word for it. I've been in 34 years. Chris, I've never seen that happen in my life. I've only heard it about it somewhere between maybe a and 200,000 times that'll screw up my other sales, but I've never seen it happen one time in my entire career. And I've met thousands of brokers, you know, thousands and thousands from coast to coast, from Seattle, Washington, all the way to Baltimore, Maryland, and everywhere in between.
0: There is no question. Like you, Mike, I'm astounded at these people who are really, really smart in working with very sophisticated financial concepts and instruments. And yet, is I, I think what happened back in the eighties, Mike, is we tried to convince people how smart we were as DI people, and they needed us. And they, I think they actually
1: bought into it. And then going forward, now they think it's too hard. Well, Chris, you and I are required then to think we were smart because we were twenty-seven years old, <laughs> right? So most of our clients still back when you started, they were what ten to fifteen years older than you and I every time,
0: at least, at least. Yeah.
1: So we we you know you and I got CLUCHFC for what reason? credibility yeah and our boss made us do it for credibility because you know what I didn't even shave every day back then so put that in perspective you know we had to be smart and we had to be able to split hairs because it was all we did for a living and then you know as time went on we started to go you know this is how complicated it really is when it starts how long it lasts what it costs and what you get and you know if I think for the last 32 years Chris Kind of been the mantra that I've run with. So the first two years, yeah, I was going to move a comma around on Paul Revere's contract to where Principal's comma was in a different spot, and then somewhere I figured, you know what? What would my parents understand? And so we kind of started working more along the lines of, you know what? How much? What, what do you get? When does it start? How long does it last? And what's it cost? And so that's how complicated it still is to this day. You don't need to look under the hood. You just need to know and understand how what it will do in the event that you need it. And that's where we've got to get back to. And if you're not going to do it again, you've heard me say this, and you specifically, Chris, you and I a million times. If you're not going to do it, find a person that will. The rest can be worked out after the fact. Find a person that will. And if you're interested in doing that, you know what, you and I, you've got a couple of books out. You know, 50 Great Sales Ideas, I think, on the, the, I call it the napkin book. It's probably not even the right name. And Broker Broker, those are both right there to give you the tools to run for the rest of your career if you want to.
0: Exactly. Well, Mike, where do you see the biggest opportunities for producers with disability insurance?
1: I probably just said it, and I'm finding people. I think Broker Broker, and let's just be candid. How long, how many years do you have you and I probably talked about Broker Broker? For real, just as a concept.
0: Mike, has it been... Almost twenty years.
1: Yeah, I agree. Twenty, and there are people that do broker broker. So, but what I'm saying is, it, it, you you can learn to be an expert in this field relatively quick, and if you are, everything else can work itself out. Meaning, you know, everybody, you said this just five minutes ago before we went on air. Uh, put the cart before the horse. Become good at it, and then we can. There's a lot of people that can help you find the people that say I do AUN assets under management. I get that it's important. And we just said this. I'm not going to do it. But you have to just learn to say, at the end of the day, and this is how you learn broker, broker. And I'll give you 50% of the expertise right now. At the end of the day, you go, that is really awesome. But our conversation right now, when we both put our heads on the pillow tonight, nothing has changed for your clients. And you just agreed that they should have it. But when we put our heads on the pillow tonight, unless you and I figure out and formulate a plan to do something for your clients, they still will be in the same place they are this very second. So I think broker broker is one of the greatest opportunities there is.
0: Awesome. Well what excites you most about the DI industry today, Mike?
1: One is that, you know, we're waiting and I'm not sure it's happened. One that New York Life is getting into the business and I think we've I don't think that's a secret, obviously not, that somebody's getting into the business. What excites me is is the handful of people it is a handful of people around the around the country that that are really into the whole income protection disability insurance space. Hopefully, we can expand that. But what excites me is I don't think the products as they exist today they've never changed. Do you agree?
0: Other than that little blip in the in the, uh, the mid nineties, yep.
1: I mean, so the products haven't changed, and I think that that's just you know we used to leapfrog over one another. Who was going to be better? And and every carrier was kind of that was really into this income protection game bought into that program, Chris. You know, I'm going to go to 15 while well, you're going to go to 20. I remember when we went from 10 to 15 on positions at Principal Financial Group, I was told we we're going to get every doc in America. It's going to happen. We're going to write every doctor. And we're going to be out of business. Well, you know what? Within 60 days, every other carrier, Chris, what did they do? They were at 10 to 15. We we're right back to a push. That being said. I don't think anybody wants to step off the cliff and come up with some kind of completely new and different product. And what we have is phenomenal. But there are other ways to protect that asset. And we're just not going down that path. And I think at some point, a carrier is going to get bold enough to say, let's step off the ledge. We're not going to stop doing what we're doing, but we're going to spend time, money, and energy to to do something else. I'm not talking about capturing the middle market. I'll go to a IDIS meeting this year, and we're going to have a speaker, I'm sure, on capturing the middle market. I don't believe in any of that, especially with the world today. And then we've got awareness, Chris, right now of COVID and loss of jobs. And now there's more jobs than there are people to fill them, as we're hearing all over. That I find that interesting unto itself. But at the end of the day, there's an opportunity here for young producers, middle-aged producers, And producers that are going to more of their seniors. I was going to say gray, but you and I are hairless for most people that know us, at least on our heads. Um, You know, we have a little facial hair, so we have to have something correct.
0: Mike, I always tell people we are no hairs and gray hairs.
1: Yeah, you know, and when you get to be my age, Chris, you got more in your ears than you do on your head. It's kind of (laughs) embarrassing. But that being said, the opportunity to, to spend... Some time, even if you want to, you know, work with us on, you know, our income protection academy, there's a lot out there to do to make you an expert relatively fast. And then the opportunity is infinite. People say, Well, where do I get prospects? How many times have you heard that, Chris?
0: I think it's like every day I talk to a producer.
1: So we've done this on a podcast before. I'll tell you where you can get a whole bunch of prospects. You decide you want to get into the doctor market, go to Sincera Health, look up orthopedic surgeons, and every single one of them is listed with their phone number, their name, and their email address. Because it's all on the internet. It's all on the internet. You and I used to have to play with the phone book and the yellow pages to find insurance guys. Right? It's come Um, come a long way. (laughs) So you. So the prospect thing is 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 not even a question. It's just asking. It's just asking the real simple. In the event you get hurt or sick, you know how long could you go? Ninety days, Chris. And I always say a quarter of a year to make people think, or a third of a year. Actually, a third's more fun. Could you go one third of a year without a paycheck? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. You can do this on the 4th of July without a mask during the barbecue. I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe, Uh, maybe probably not. Well, you know, there's a way you can do that because, you know, I see your three kids over there playing on the trampoline and I don't think your goal in life is to screw their lives up at all. Correct? Here, let me get you another beer. No, it's not. So you know what? What I do is I make sure the risk protection packages are in place. I've always got to throw sales ideas in, Chris. I make sure a risk protection package for families and businesses are in place. If you got 10 minutes sometime, can we sit down and maybe just talk about this? And I'm serious. 10 minutes.
0: Mike, you mentioned the phone book. I could remember as a young rep when I would go to a city for the first time and would stay in a hotel. One of the first things I would do is go to the uh, phone book in the hotel room and tear out the, uh, all the section of the insurance agents because it wasn't accessible any other way.
1: And Chris, what's, what was good about that is every single person for the next three years that went into that hotel room, they weren't looking up insurance, so the <laughs> fact that you ripped them out of the book didn't really matter. Exactly. So,
0: Mike, let me do a one eighty on you. What concerns you most about the DI industry today?
1: I'm going to not pontificate for an hour and a half, which everybody knows I can do. I'm going to give you one concern. One concern as we as we go down and finish up this podcast today. My biggest concern and I don't care how it happens, is, and I've already said it probably twice in this podcast, is total lack of awareness, total lack of awareness that this income protection product exists. Can I give you a quick analogy? Do you mind? Please. It, it, I'll make this quick, so I won't do a dissertation on this. Chris, does every person that's probably 25 or above, which would make them possibly a grandchild, a parent, a parent, or a senior. So that encompasses most of our population that's not children. Are they aware of what long-term care is?
0: They understand the ramifications of somebody gets hurt or sick and what, what what's going to happen, especially in the older ages. Yes.
1: And Chris, has DI been around since around the early 1900s, I'm guessing, at some Absolutely. level? Absolutely. Yep. Right. And long-term care, your best guess on how long?
0: Gosh, Mike, it's not, I, is it 30 years?
1: You know, you said I've been in 34. I saw, I think it was trans. It just started to happen when I was still in Seattle, Washington, working as a brokerage where, rep, where it became familiar. So I'm thinking you and I are, we'll call it 30 to 40 years. Everybody knows about long-term care. And what long-term care does is I I used to spend all my time, because it got so popular so fast, is tell people, you know what, that's old people DI, and I do young people DI. And people would look and laugh at me. And then I started thinking about what I just said. If I'm going to live to be the ripe old age of 89, And I got a long term care contract and I know they work well, so I'm not diminishing the value of long term care. I suggest that everybody should get out there and try to get a contract if it works in their in their world and their in their portfolio and how they're building their 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 succession plan for their life. But if I'm 87 years old and I use it, Chris, and I have a 24 month left expectancy of life, so 87 to 89. The whole idea there is not to diminish my assets, right, for whatever reason. Mine personally, the ones I want to bequeath on to anybody else in the world, but it's not to diminish the assets I work so hard for. Fair? Yes. So, I mean, so we're talking 24 months. So we really, really, really care about the 87-year-old that's going to probably pass at 89, and I'm just making up any person, passes at 89. And I thought about this often, I mean, way too often. Why do we not care about, and I'm going to make up a number, the 30-year-old, husband and wife, husband and husband, whomever it is, wife and wife, that's not material to us. Why do we not worry about the 30-year-old family that could lose everything from 30 to the same number, 88? Why? Why are they not aware that this exists? So again, I think the biggest thing that concerns me in our industry And I don't know how we fix it. We need more Pied Pipers is just complete lack of awareness. I don't think products are going to get worse. Nothing like that will happen, Chris. Products are already good. I think somebody I just alluded to two minutes ago that will step off and do something a little different at some point, which I I think will happen. And I don't know what it needs to look like. Of course, you and I have a million ideas because this is what we do for a living. But I think that will happen. So I just think that this whole lack of awareness as we sit here speaking this morning, right before we got on this podcast, Chris, I got a limo report. The industry's down 10% for the year in the end of the first quarter, already down 10. And you know, Chris, the year before, it was flat or down three. The year before that, it was flat or down four. So if we go back to 2018, we're writing less business now than we did in 2018. That, for me, is a relatively large concern. Lack of awareness, not enough people out there, you know what, shaking the trees and telling the story.
0: You know, Mike, I, I think you're spot on there. And I, I think back to the days when you and I got started, there was distribution was obviously much different. And you alluded to assets under management. And I always like to tell people when I got started, there was really two categories of people out there in the in the financial world. It was a life insurance agent or a or a stockbroker. Financial planning, if I put that in air quotes, was really not a thing at that point in time. You were a stockbroker, you made fifty cold calls a day to get people to buy stocks, or you sold life insurance. Disability insurance and annuities. Certainly, the dis- the distribution world has changed dramatically. And back in the day, when in the heyday when you and I got started, there was lots of awareness. And the reason why feet on the street, people talking to their clients about the need to protect their income. And and that isn't that's an episode we could do uh, that could last for two hours. But nonetheless, Mike is is since those people are have gone away, we we've lost a lot of preachers and evangelists. And then there's, there's no uh, marketing. I mean, the closest thing we have to marketing would be the duck, right? And that's really not disability insurance, but that's about as close as it comes. So here we are in the middle of disability insurance awareness month. And Mike, let me ask you a question. As an industry, we promote this. How much behavior do you think we modify in the with producers in disability insurance awareness month?
1: Not a lot. I mean, the only people I think that are aware of Disability Awareness Month are the same people that go to IDIS, and I just use that acronym there really quick, Chris. I don't even think most people know what that is. So you take about the small number of people that do IDIS, which is our Insurance Association for Disability, for lack of a better term. Um, I think it's a great organization. I think there's a lot of great organizations, but I think the overall impact you and I did a year ago, right? In May, the DI Awareness Month um, a Zoom session?
0: We did. We seminar. did seminar. We, we did. We did the we did, DI we did, summit.
1: We did the DI summit and we had uh what, it's around thirteen hundred and seventy people attend, right? Right. Um, you know what are the thirteen hundred and seventy? I don't know how many you and I know but it's a lot. <laughs> That's so my point is I don't think I don't think it can stay in one month. I think people need to get out there and start to say, is your risk protection package in your home or your business curtain up to date? If not I would like to make sure it is. Can you have ten minutes? Do you have ten minutes,
0: Mike? You've often said that disability insurance awareness month is every month.
1: It is. That's what I'm saying. You, you know, the industry tagged it as, as as May, but it should never stop. And you know that's why I, you know, I didn't retire. I'm going to continue to do this, Chris, for as 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 the old military term, because you were the same as me, a military guy. You know, until they put a toe tag on me, I'm going to keep doing it because my mission is to make sure that everybody gets it. And I got a lot of work left to do.
0: Well, Mike, and that's kind of where I want to leave it today. I mean, you deserve a lot of credit for the things that you've done in those 34 years. And to your point, I'm looking forward to the next 34 years of the Mike Cogdall DI journey.
1: Chris, I can't thank you enough for your time. And that being said, we got a lot of work to do, but I've never really felt like I've had a job. It's embarrassing to say. I actually, you know, people go, you have so much passion. Well, everybody should have so much passion. I I get excited about the opportunity to make sure that somebody's life doesn't go to hell on something that was absolutely not their fault, an accident or an illness, because oftentimes it's just not their fault. And it changes people's lives forever. I'll end it here, Chris, with this. You and I have both seen what it's like for a family to have income protection and somebody gets hurt or sick, especially the primary breadwinner. And you and I have seen what it's like when they don't. And there's a significant difference in how those lives turn out and their children's. Great points, Mike. Mike, thanks for your time today. Chris, thank you.